and welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back with our Game Week 11 preview, just two more now until another, yet another international break. My name is Chris Hopkins and I'm joined by the uh, Ajax under Eric Ten Hag to the Man United under Eric Ten Hag. Sandy Case, um, sort of topical as well, Andy, because Ajax are doing particularly badly this year. I think they're bottom now, aren't they, of the Eredivisie? But, uh, but yeah, you had so many high hopes when Eric Ten Hag come into United. And I think having seen how his Ajax had played, I absolutely cannot blame you for having such high hopes. You're just going pretty pretty badly wrong at the minute, isn't it, at your club? Well, it is at the minute, yes. And and there'll be many people who think we talk too much about Man United on this, uh, on this show. But they are a particular state at the moment, the performances and everything. Um, I thought you were going to go there. I mean, you could have gone with... Ajax under Ten Hag versus Ajax not under Ten Hag. I could, you, I could have done. I could have done. Yeah, I mean, bottom of a, a club that size, if they were to like get relegated, um, absolute scenes. But I think in in Holland or uh, the Netherlands, uh, only the bottom team goes automatically down, and then I think second from bottom plays like a relegation playoff. So it, they've got plenty of time and roots out of that that perilous situation. Ajax. I mean, yeah, look. Uh, without this being the Man United podcast, we can't just be sacking our manager every every two or three years, right? And if there's potentially some change at the top coming, um, you know, he he did all right at points last season and he hasn't often had his, had his number one targets. Um, so, yeah, yeah there are obviously significant injuries this season as well. That there, You know, I, I'm not saying he's not to blame at all, but I think it's just let, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater at this point. Yeah, I, I I see what you mean. I think it's I guess it's just as a fan at this point, you're kind of looking for some change. And sure, ownership may well be changing, or at least you know what stake they end up having. Uh, this sort of I'm I'm not across the details of, but but yeah, managers are the only thing that gets changed. Like the whole squad can't get sacked, so it tends to be the manager being the full guy. But yeah, I guess from a sort of neutral point of view. He just seems to be more and more frustrated and forlorn and, you know, relatively positive when he came in and saying all the right things and doesn't even really do that anymore. And it just kind of ble- sort of breathed this, this fan frustration that maybe he isn't the right guy. Maybe he, maybe he isn't all the sort of scenario around him, which I think may have been, um, may have been sort of what was thought last year that he was the right guy in a bad situation but now I guess there's still question marks or now there are question marks over whether he is even the right guy well I mean when you hear him say that he played Lindelof at left back and Johnny Evans at left centre back and Maguire at right centre back to to, to enable Maguire to play at right centre back instead of Varane and not play and not play Reggie on either for for tactical reasons so like Lindelof at left back over Reggion for tactical reasons and Maguire at right back at right centre back over Varane for tactical reasons, which meant that Johnny Evans had to play as the only other person in Ten Hag's eyes who could be on the left side centre back. Um, look, I, I'm not going to say I know more about football than Eric Ten Hag, but that that had a lot of Man, Man United fans scratching their head. Um, that, that, that said, though, I think that is an area where those significant injuries I mentioned earlier have been. Um, understated, frankly. I don't, I don't think you've heard as much uh, complaining or or just stating of the fact from journalists, as in complaining from Man United fans or stating of the fact from journalists generally that like you could argue that our entire first choice back four has not been fit for the majority of the season. I think Varane's obviously played a few games, but probably less than half. And the other three would be Martinez, Shaw and Wan-Bissaka. And, and, and like the other three have, haven't played barely at all. I think Sure, Martinez might have played in the first game, but mm. yeah, we're we're pretty soon injured, and and that does ultimately have a significant, like if you're having these other squad filler players with a view to them being backups, then you can't expect them to to necessarily produce consistently over a long period the same level of performance as you might have expected out of your out of your first choice team. I mean, you also can't rely on youngsters completely, but there was a lot of chat at preseason about Kobe Mainu and him being the kind of De Jong controller type in midfield that that Ten Hag was after and and so he 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 sanctioned putting cash in other areas of the squad because he he saw Mainu could fit could fit that role alongside Amrabat and 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 then obviously Mainu getting injured before the season started 
maybe put some some kind of a, you know one of our biggest problems has been a lack of control in midfield so um yeah i don't i don't think it's necessarily going to switch it all around once all of those come back necessarily but i, I think they are big mitigating factors that, that maybe are kind of a little under the radar Mm. Yeah, I mean, it feels like, I, I don't know if this is true at all, but it feels like there's been a lot of Premier League injuries, frankly, this year. Um, so I'm not sure if, if they're up, but yeah, it feels like there's been a number of players out for out for a fairly long time. Although I don't know if that's because some of my other fantasy teams beyond FPL are just suffering severely with injuries. And that is, you know, just a, just, just a crisp, crisp sort of scenario that I'm... Uh, that I'm I can only see myself, but but yeah, uh, let's start talking FPL. Let's start talking game week 11, Andy. Uh, as always on our preview shows, we start by running down this week's fixtures. We'll have a quick chat about which this week's talking points, of which there are not that many. We've got some new players on the radar for you. No, nothing to swim against this week, so we'll be trying to catch each other in our honey traps, and we'll finish as we always do with captaincy and the little game we like to call Who the Heck is Stat? Let's start then by running down those all-important game week 11 fixtures. Uh, your deadline this game week 11 is Saturday. The 4th of November at 11 o'clock because lunchtime kickoff is uh, is Andy's Man United uh, away at Fulham. Then we've got a number of three o'clock kickoffs. They are Brentford, West Ham, Burnley, Crystal Palace, Everton hosting Brighton, Man City hosting Bournemouth, and Sheffield United hosting Wolves. Newcastle United play Arsenal in the tea time game on Saturday. Remember, remember the 5th of November, Nottingham Forest will be playing Aston Villa and Luton will be playing Liverpool. And then a Monday night football this week, a London derby, a bitter London derby at that, Spurs versus Chelsea. How many times, I mean, what would you set the over-under on, on some sort of firework-related pun on Super Sunday? It's got to be high, hasn't it? Well, the under over on like how many of them there'll be is difficult yeah, to judge, right? Is, because there will be quite a few. If it was just like, what's the chance of there being any? Like you're almost at hundred percent at that point. Yeah, if yeah. Not, yeah. Like I, there are so many, on. aren't there? Bang, like just bang is one of them. Obviously, there will be fireworks. And there's red cards. If there are cards, uh, yeah. Peter Drury's pre-match build-up monologue is going to have lots of references. Uh, okay, to... I mean, he he could easily go over four, couldn't he himself? So... <laughs> He'd go over four in that opening monologue, yeah. like as yeah, the, yeah. as the players like walking out to the pitch, and he does his, and we're in for an amazing day here today. The sky is blue, the yes. atmosphere is building, fireworks are expected. Whatever you know, yeah, yeah, that, you know the bit Thanks. I'm talking. About. I do know the bit you're talking about. Yeah, I'm glad I glad I do because I'm not sure the impression was did it that much justice. But um, but yeah, anyway, uh, not loads. Of t- to chat about um, this midweek, Andy. Obviously, we've got Carabao Cup. Um, I think there were a couple of matches last night, but none involving Premier League teams. They all come tonight, and you are going to one of them. You're going to Ipswich to see um, see if you can beat Fulham, um, which I imagine that you will. Doesn't feel like that. That's tricky, I know, but like Fulham's Fulham. We I think we spoke about this last time on the sh- on when when uh, the EFL was the cup was happening, and I think the team Fulham put out that night was against the scum were was 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 just ridiculous so I think Palinia, good or ridiculously poor yeah good i think william right. played i think yeah jao Polina played it wasn't 100 percent first team but yeah and ipswich are likely to put a, a, like a second team out again like they did against wolves so i mean i'm not saying they got no chance but I, i'm not expecting a victory no okay fair enough fair enough but obviously there are there are, there are a number of, of, of other teams and as you say plenty of rotation usually in the carabao cup i guess for from an FPL point of view, worth keeping an eye on the lineup, worth keeping an eye on the minutes. Um, but beyond that, it's not exactly a European match day, is it, where you're expecting loads and loads of first team regulars getting plenty of minutes? No, I mean, it's, we don't know necessarily about like Newcastle's approach to a cup like this. Obviously, they went quite hard to try and win it last year. Um, but you'd think with Champions League, they would try and they would probably like rotate. And uh, it's worth, I suppose, pointing out that that two of the kind of bigger ties you've got West Ham Arsenal and Man United Newcastle United so whether that influences some team decision selection decisions yeah we'll 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 have to wait and see but but definitely something to like to to keep an eye out um who who might play who or who is rested yeah I guess uh, beyond that Andy probably not loads to talk about so we may as well get onto our radar and you know, you've just discussed um that, that that Man United Newcastle Carabao Cup game. I guess we flirted a little bit this week with putting a Newcastle player in the centre of our radar. We haven't had really a sort of an actual player in the centre of our radar for for a number of weeks now, but we shied away from it. So moving straight out to the mid range is Callum Wilson, Andy. And I guess there could have been 
some scenarios where he would have pushed himself up to the up to the centre. Um, but he's remaining on the mid-range primarily because of the timeline, in theory, for Alexander Izak's injury, which obviously we weren't able to discuss uh, this time last week. But we did put a little a little note out at the front of the pod um, saying that, 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 that yeah, it, it had happened. Um, but equally, uh, Newcastle are creating a lot at the minute. And if we knew that Wilson was going to be in the team, they're their definite only real starting number nine for a little bit longer than just the next two game weeks, i.e. up until the international break, he very, very well could have been appearing a little bit higher higher on our radar. Yeah, well, I think we've mentioned at other points during the season that if you know which one of Wilson or Isaac is playing, they are both have both consistently been good options when they are the number nine. And the biggest drawback is they're both over seven mil or around seven mil. And um, obviously Wilson higher up to eight mil now and, um, and, and aren't, you don't know which one of them necessarily is going to start. So that's been kind of the 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 the, the only real drawback back with them. The numbers are, are are insane. I mean, if you if you created a Newcastle's number nine, uh, you know, individual person by combining Isaac and Wilson's numbers, which is fairly reasonable to do because they haven't had a lot of joint minutes together. There has been a couple of occasions where. Howes used the tactic of putting Isaac out left like he did a few times last year, but it has mainly been them two rotating as the number nines. Um, and they, they would be by far the, the 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 best performing asset, both in terms of actual points and underlying numbers in the game, like exceeding even Haaland. Newcastle are the most creative team in terms of XG this season so far across all games. So Wilson and Isaac combined are getting more chances than Haaland. That is just like a fact. Um, so... Yeah, individually, though, as well, their numbers are ridiculous. I mean, they're second and fourth and on penalty XG individually. So with only Haaland above them and then Nunes at the moment over the last six games sitting in third. So, yeah, I mean, the the, the point here is that, that because we know that Wilson will be playing at least the next two, that makes him a fantastic high upside option. And yes, there are then question marks after the international break, but obviously... Even if Isaac comes back, Wilson could still be the one to start, and he may his recovery may not go 100%. So he may not instantly come back because after the international break doesn't necessarily mean immediately after the international break, right? So, um, yeah, to, to to put some more numbers on it, it's it's five expected goal involvements for Callum Wilson in the last six matches he's played in. That that is absolutely outrageous like it puts him third in the game for expected goal involvement behind only Haaland and Salah who also both are on pens so they, that effect that pumps all three of them up but the bottom line is Wilson will be the penalty taker so that's that's like legit and considering he only started four of those six games that he's being measured over to to have five expected goal involvements in four starts and two kind of a few minute substitute appearances that yeah, that that is obscene numbers. If if is if is if Isaac was out for two months, I think we'd be pushing towards the centre here. So that's how good the level of the kind of underlying numbers and output you know um, Wilson is getting at the moment. He 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 seems like a really good forward option. Yeah, I mean, so the quote from Eddie Howe, which we, which was yesterday, we're recording on on Wednesday. So this quote fresh on Tuesday. Alex Isaac, we hope, will be back after the international break. So, you know, there's still a bit of hope in there still. It's not like, yeah, you know, he'll be fine. We're going to be, you know, we, we don't see the point of risking him in game week um, in game week 12. So he'll definitely be back, be back for 13 kind, kind of vibe. Uh, you know, that kind of sounds like he don't, won't be going on, on international duty either. So, yeah, plenty to be um, plenty to be cautious about. And I, th- I think, yeah, if I had a very obvious route, to Callum Wilson, especially via one transfer, I think it would be one I'd be very keen to make on a short, even if it was just a short-term one. The fact, the fact for my own team means that it probably requires two transfers. I don't have, um, I mean, I'm not keen to take a hit to get there. It means it probably isn't worth it. Um, I guess added into that mix, Andy, Newcastle don't have the easiest fixture this game week, do they? But still, um the amount of chances that they're creating at the minute, it doesn't necessarily matter. No, I mean, these are always hard ones to weigh up, aren't they, when you've got a good attack against a good defence, and that's actually happening at both ends of the pitch in this in this game with Newcastle versus Arsenal. Um, so that's, I suppose, the slight caveat in that if Wilson doesn't return this game week, it's not massively like 
the end of the world or I mean obviously it's not ideal if you've just brought him in but like Arsenal have the second best defensive numbers in the entire league right um so uh, Newcastle are at home so that that helps but you know uh the, the if you can't you know guarantee returns that despite all those fantastic underlying numbers um yeah it's a little bit of a caveat that said it's then Bournemouth away in, in in game week 12 so a particularly appealing fixture um i guess if you've got you know you could make an argument for rolling this week and if it allows you to free up the money to get to wilson for next week that's a way to like eye it up even if it's kind of like a um yeah if you'd need to take a hit or if you don't have the cash i suppose at least being aware of it now allows you to kind of try and plan ahead a little bit and like maybe you would roll maybe it's put this in your head to roll rather than making a transfer somewhere else to enable you to do it next week with that Bournemouth fixture in mind yeah I mean do you think it's worth it for, for that if exactly does come back for game week 13 is it was it worth it for the one week punt against Bournemouth sort it's going to depend on what you two been... transfers it, I think for, at that point it seems it seems not worth it to me I feel like I've kind of made my peace with probably not getting Wilson in because I can't do it in one transfer this game week yeah, one, I see one, what you're saying. But I mean, I, I think if you were planning to if you were planning to wildcard after the international break, the international break, then sure, Callum Wilson in game week 12, I'd absolutely take that as a one week punt, and 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 then you re, you know you reassess based on you know what Eddie Howe says about Alexander Isak ahead of game week 13. I mean, he, Eddie Howe is generally quite coy anyway, so it's not something that I'd necessarily rely on. But yeah, I'm not sure if I'd be I'm not sure if I'd be setting myself up to roll this week to bring Wilson in for one game week at the, with the risk that Isaac's going to be back for 13 but I still he could quite easily bag against Bournemouth several, you know two three goals and 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 then it would be definitely be worth it but yeah long term I'm not sure how much sort of butchering I'd want to be doing to my team but equally I think if you if you're thinking along those lines then then yeah you know he could very much and if he plays well this game week he could very much appear in the center of our radar next um but yeah, I guess it depends on on, on wildcard strategy and, and a few other things. Um, also in the mid-range, Andy, is, is Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who did score at the weekend. And he's been a regular fixture on our radar and a regular fixture really on our mid-range uh, for quite a while. Nothing loads really here, Andy, to <clears throat> to say about, about DCL. I mean, I think his price is perhaps the primary reason he's remaining in the mid-range. But... He does seem to be the best value forward, kind of under six million at the minute. I know Evan Ferguson is is around that, but DCL is far more guaranteed minutes uh, than he is, and is also a little bit cheaper. I guess Eddie Nketiah maybe would have a case after his hat trick like that uh, last weekend, but still hasn't been over reliable for FPL points this season. Um, and Everton is still creating decent underlying numbers, so there's plenty to like about DCL, and he does seem to be perhaps going under the FPL radar, if not the FPL lounges one. Yeah, I think that's exactly like you say. It's it's basically what we said last week. It's um, Everton's and DCL's underlying numbers are less good, frankly, than Newcastle's or when we've discussed Watkins in the past, Villas even. But um, the bottom line is he's 5.8 million there. And, and yeah, obviously, Nketiah, until Jesus comes back, the equally good shout. But I think that fact that the reason Nketiah, you know, regular listeners will know that we are both fans of, of Nketiah as a, as, a, as a number nine. And to be honest, frankly, I, I could see an argument for starting him over Jesus, even when Jesus is fit. But, um, you know, we know that Arteta doesn't think like that. And so as soon as Jesus is back in with a sniff, then then Nketiah kind of loses his place. So um, obviously with DCL, you have injury worries, um, old glass knees, isn't he? So um, that's always a concern. But look, whilst he is fit, he, he is... Um, he is going to be first choice in that team, and he he he's shown that he can get goals even with even without Everton being massively creative. So yeah, their their, their run is also okay. That's that's worth highlighting. Um, the underlying stats we mentioned last week are kind of similar for 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 DCL, but um, the 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 run in in terms of the the, the names of some of these teams might sound intimidating but the frankly defenses that haven't been amazing and that's Brighton Palace Man United Nottingham Forest in the next four games for Everton um I mean Palace and Forest okay you know not to disparage them too much mid-table but but Brighton and Man United like bottom five level um over the course of the whole season and in the last six games so yeah um 
chances for for for, for DCL should continue to come. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's move outwards again to the fringe and a bit of a relegation on our radar for Ollie Watkins. Um, I think this is mostly, de- again, Andy, down to Callum Wilson, frankly. The fact that we've now got some certainty, even if it might only be for two games, about who Newcastle's starting number nine is just means that they get bumped up the radar ahead of a player that has good underlying numbers, but not as good as Callum Wilson. And has and it, and he's also, I think, the second most expensive forward in the game, I believe, uh, which, you know, Callum Wilson's not far away. Um, but yeah, I think I'd be looking to save the 0.4 or the 0.5 at the minute and, and, and get a player with better underlying numbers in Wilson than Ollie Watkins. But that's not to say that he isn't still a good option, particularly if you own him, particularly if you want someone that is more likely to be uh, a starter for three game weeks plus, which I guess we have to say about Watkins over over Wilson. Um, and also Villa at the minute just look great. I don't know if like you're on this as much as I am, but just watching Villa, just I get quite excited watching Villa. They're, they're, they're almost the opposite of what you'd almost expect a Unai Emery team to be. Like His Villarreal teams were efficient, but relatively dull. Aston Villa are anything but at the minute. Yeah, I mean, we again, similar, obviously he remains on, so it's what we said last week as well, right? Underlying numbers, decent. Villa look really attacking, and they look to be deliberately trying to find him on the eye. That's something that doesn't come through in the underlying numbers necessarily, right, is, is that stuff that you see. Um, he is definitely, I mean, there was some suggestion that him and Diaby were sort of playing up front together, which they, they are, but but Watkins is the, is the main man in in that instance. It just felt a bit disingenuous of us to have three. You can't, I don't feel like we could have three strikers in the mid-range or the centre because like you are maximum going to have three in your squad and everyone's got Haaland right so we we have to sort of break them um like break the the order there somehow so um uh, it felt like that we both kind of agreed that 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 Watkins was was the third of the three we've talked about here I mean Wilson being cheaper and having better underlying numbers and DCL being a, a full 2.6 2.7 mil cheaper than than Watkins without a huge drop off in terms of the underlying numbers so um yeah he's 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 still a very good option and Villa do look great like you say you say everyone's got Haaland. I mean, maybe it's just an FPL Twitter thing, but it seems to be a lot of teams or there were a lot of wildcard drafts without him that might be regressing it a little bit now. But he, I mean, yeah. yeah, I think that was an FPL Twitter thing. He's still 85% owned, so. Sure, but I guess it was 80 at the start. I mean, it hit 90 not that long ago, so he's clearly lost a fair few active managers. Um, yeah, just I just find it a bit bizarre personally, but... Um, but there we are. I mean, that's that's that was our swimming against the tide last week, basically, wasn't it? So, uh, yeah, in a nutshell. Um, a few more, Andy, on the fringe of our radar. We'll pair these two together in Kara Matoma and uh, Simon Adingra, both at Brighton. Um, Matoma doesn't really need any introduction to FPL managers, and he was on the fringe uh, for us last week. But Brighton are having a bit of a fixture turn, um, and he seems as nailed as anyone in in that in that team. Um, so, yeah, I think he's a pretty decent option. Not the greatest underlying numbers, but then neither is uh, it or neither does a Dingra. Um, five million. So very much a budget midfielder um, looking to take up or you know, maybe be a bit of an enabler for still owning Haaland or maybe some of the other more expensive midfielders. Um, again, not really creating loads in the underlying numbers, but just looks electric on the eye. And I guess minutes maybe a little bit more guaranteed or a little bit more forthcoming than normal given Solly March's uh Solly March's unfortunate injury in the last couple of game weeks yeah I think it's exactly that and and maybe some mitigating factor in the fact that in the last like four game weeks Brighton have played Villa Liverpool and City so um maybe that's why they haven't kind of looked as good or been as creative but yeah Dingra is five million and um looks to have I mean he started four of five of the last six um and the march injury seems in in the league that is for brighton and 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 yeah uh the he's almost nailing down that right wing position now you can never nail down a position in a Derby team so huge warnings here that there is still rotation at risk but you feel like you can take a bit more of a punt uh, rotation if 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 you're if it's a five mil asset right and if, if as is happening is becoming a bit of a trend over the last few weeks people are shuffling that little bit more money into the forward position to be able to get a, a Watkins or a Wilson or in the past an Alvarez 
you are somewhere going to have to give uh, in midfield. You're not going to be able to have five expensive assets as people had more so towards the start of the season with ju just Hartland in the four position. So he, he, in terms of those like cheaper options, is seemingly as good as any at the moment, at least on the eye. I, I suppose we might reevaluate and he might move off our radar if those underlyings don't start to start to appear. Um, it's a bit unlike us to go with vibes and the eye with with actually quite little on the underlying isn't isn't it but um he just looks so potentially productive that um the, the price is appealing yeah as, as you say i think the fixture turn yeah, we, we're not we're not putting him on the center of our radar are we like he's very much kind of on the fringe but i think given his price the fixture turn and also the, you know as we say brighton's injuries at the minute you know, who who generally has taken up that sort of right flank role for brighton in the last two years well it's been it's been um, it's been Solly March, and if not, it might have been in Cizo slash Buonanotti. Buonanotti's barely had any minutes this year, and Cizo's obviously also out. I mean, I guess there is Lalana potential. James Milner can do a job there, but none of these feel as as good an option, I guess, as as, as a Dinger. And yes, and you know, we know that we get rotation from Deserby. We know that they've got Europe as well, um, but it does feel as though their 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 injuries kind of lend themselves to to Indingra getting more minutes as you say it's already been happening anyway um so yeah uh, it sounds like Solly March is definitely out for quite a while as well so um so yeah I think he could be he's one that I, I kind of expect his price to rise as soon as he sort of gets off the mark a little bit um so yeah absolutely no no harm in getting on this earlier at five million uh, particularly if you as if as Andy says you were looking up or looking to free up some cash to uh, to maybe spend a bit more in your forward line. Um, defensively, Andy, we've got a bit of a group of players here that I think have reasonable underlying numbers or are appealing in terms of their price. Um, we're not swimming against this this week, but Jockey Anderson is the fifth most transferred player in £5 million for a Crystal Palace defender who has the same clean sheet potential as Mark Gay and as Tyreek Mitchell and, frankly, as Sam Johnson, and although in a, in a different position. Um, we think any of those Palace four and a half million pound defenders or slash keeper are definitely worth going for. And um, Palace have reasonable underlying numbers, or at least did, did have earlier in the year. They've tailed off a little bit, but they've played some pretty difficult games recently, and they're just about to encounter their own fixture swing that makes them considerably more appealing than they would have been a few game weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, if we had a bigger sample size, we could say this with more conclusiveness. But from what we have seen so far, it seems like Villa's defence are relatively reflective of the fixtures they have, right? In game weeks one to six, they had the eighth best expected goals conceded. So, you know, not amazing, but also not bad for a team like Villa with the with the sort of number of 4.5 mil defenders that they have. Um, eighth best expected goals conceded. In, in, in game weeks seven to 10, they had the 14th best um, when their fixtures were a little bit harder. Um, I think it was Spurs, Newcastle and Man United uh, within those last four fixtures for, for Crystal Palace. Um, whereas they played... Um, Sheffield United, Wolves, Brentford, Fulham, Villa and Arsenal in the first six. So, yes, yeah, slightly, well, certainly much easier fixtures for, for, for Palace. Their underlying numbers are better. They're going into now a, a run of, of, of very appealing looking fixtures. Their next five are Burnley, Everton, Luton, West Ham, Bournemouth. That is very, like, interesting uh, for... Yeah, for... I, mean, I, th I think they play four of the bottom six teams for XG in the next five matches. So wow. yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty appealing really, isn't it? Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Almost as good as it gets for a defensive option. That is it four of the bottom six attacks they're playing in five yeah, games. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, plenty, plenty of potential we think for, for Palace clean sheets. I think both Andy and I own Sam Johnson. So I don't think we'll be making the move for the double up. I don't think we're quite there. Um, but if you don't own a Palace defender and are a bit spooked by recent score lines, you know, I think we're pretty much in, in the camp that we think things will change um, in the coming game weeks. Um, in addition to those options, uh, Costa Simicast, Andy, at four and a half million, I think 4.6 now, uh, had, had a price rise at, at Liverpool, is relatively appealing. Um, it's very, very small sample size, but Liverpool have conceded just 0.58 XGC, the best in the league since he's replaced Andy Robertson. I don't think we're saying that they've started tightening up their defence because Costa Simicast is playing instead of Andy Robertson. They've had two relatively kind fixtures, but maybe Liverpool are getting their defensive um, 
stuff together. Um, and Simicast has got forward a little bit. I think he's also been on on some set pieces, so um, could provide a bit of attacking potential too. I wonder if now 4.6 is a little bit rich. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about Liverpool is that they were often keeping clean sheets, just sim- a lot to do with the amount of possession that they had, right? Um, and in fairness, they are fifth best over the course of the whole season for expected goals conceded. So that is significantly better than they were at most points last season. So there is like a slight improvement there. Um, uh, ultimately, I guess, better than Palace's or anyone else uh, other than sort of the big, you know, Newcastle, Arsenal City type teams. Um, so so if you're comparing him 4.6 at that at that kind of price, and he, he pretty much definitely does have more attacking upside than any of those Palace options because his heat maps are showing he's taking up similar positions to Trent and he does take some of the of the set pieces so there I guess in that sense it's maybe not a bit rich because um, you, you are getting more defensive stability and more attacking potential for the four yeah I, I, I guess the cheapest is the cheapest way into Liverpool's defense but I guess they're not the same clamour to get a Liverpool defender that perhaps there was a few years ago um, and equally even if their underlying numbers are okay maybe they're not facing as blunt a set of attacks as Palace are over the next couple of game weeks um, final option really on the fringe Andy is Jamal Lascelles um, again he was maybe a bit of a stopgap option but I think again Eddie Howe's comments on Sven Botman's injury similar to why we're bullish on Callum Wilson uh, in uh, you know, in the coming game weeks given the Isaac news um, I think that Jamal Lattells needs some serious consideration in FPL teams. Um, Eddie Howe's comment, the time frame on Sven is unclear at the moment. We're taking it day by day. There is an issue. We're working to try and diagnose the injury properly. Does he fall into the longer term category? Yes, perhaps. I mean, that seems, if it's not weeks, it's months. And it sounds like we're thinking Christmas-ish. I, I don't, I don't want to... Yeah, it's difficult to know, but longer term category doesn't sound good. And I guess the key thing here is that Newcastle's underlying defensive numbers are still very, very good, even with Jamal Lascelles, and he's 3.9 million in FPL. What's not to love? Well, that's it. I mean, he's actually 4 mil now, but yeah, still the point point being, yeah, I think that that's it. New, Newcastle have the third best underlying defensive numbers of any team in the league, only Arsenal and City better. Um, and if he's going to start, which he is, um, then... I mean, yeah, I'd, it's, there is a, Matt Target came on in the Champions League at left back. So that I suppose there is a potential that, I don't think it was the cells that came off. I can't remember who it was, whether it was direct straight for Dan Byrne. But look, Dan Byrne didn't play at left back much for Brighton. We have raised this before, haven't we? He could move across to centre back and you play Target or Livramento at left back. But it seems like very much, I mean, the cells has started every game since Botman's been out at centre back. So, and he is ultimately the club captain as well. So at four mil for a you know, a, t- a, a, a a defender who starts in the team with with some of the best clean sheet potential in the league. Obviously, this game week it's Arsenal, as we mentioned with 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 the Wilson thing. But after that, it's not bad. Bournemouth, Chelsea, United, Everton for for Newcastle. So so definitely some some clean sheet options there. And and uh, in the past, we've said a starting four mil defender is almost enough as it is, regardless of the clean sheet potential, isn't it? So. Um, yeah, lot, lots to like about him and his price. Yeah, I think at the minute, um, yeah, Lascelles is overtaking my Jared Branthwaite ranking as the best four million pound defender in the game. Um, anyone else, Andy, that's worth a worth a look? I guess there is maybe one player at Wolves that we're both keeping a bit of an eye on, but not officially good enough for the radar at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe I'll let you talk about him first, given that you're the one that went to Huang him on. Huang. Yeah, I mean, he's in. Uh, incredible form frankly i think he may well be whether it's over the whole course of the season or just just the recent game weeks overperforming his xg more than any other player in the game um and he was starting games before pedro neto's injury but there is i guess some thought that pedro neto's injury might guarantee his minutes uh, a little bit more huang i think is a player that was on our radar about a few points maybe even last season um but listed as a midfielder this year five and a half million um and yeah has one two three four six goals in his last eight games but yeah is massively running hot at the minute um and i think there is 
something in me that wants to see what Wolves as a team look like without their talismanic player. I mean, obviously, yeah, Pedro Neto has been, you know, I think, far and away their best attacking threat this year, if not their best player uh, altogether. So it'll be interesting to see how Wolves end up doing. I think broadly, Andy, we're just a bit sceptical on Wolves, but then very pro Gary O'Neill. That puts you in a bit of a difficult FPL position to trust their attacking um to trust their attacking uh, players. But but yeah, I think given how hot this guy is running at the minute, if you are looking for a direct Pedro Neto replacement, I don't think there are many better around his price point um, than, than, than Huang. Yeah, I mean, they are lower mid-table and Gary Neal has been there the whole season, right? And obviously he only came right at the start of the season, but he has had a bit of time now to try and implement stuff. And he's getting lots of credit, like rightly so, but they're, they're not like massively creative by, by any stretch. So... Um, yeah, that that that's and, and and obviously Huang is 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 overperforming to the extent that 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 absolutely cannot continue um, in 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 that vein. So in in, in a year where he's five point five million, there are a few kind of options in in that price range, is what makes it a bit more difficult. But look, if he does keep sustaining it, this is why he's on the only one else we're we're, we're keeping an eye and or if his or or Wolves' kind of underlying numbers um, improve a little bit. Their, their fixtures are, are, I mean, this week in particular, you know, there is an argument for always target Sheffield United. We've we've said a few times they do have Spurs and Arsenal coming up in the next few game weeks, but in, interspersed in between those, they've got some nice looking fixtures. So, yeah, keeping an eye on. Absolutely. All right, well, let's leave it there. Pretty long radar this game week, but let's leave it. And, uh, yeah, when we return, we will be trying to catch each other in our honey traps. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. You can join in the conversation on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. We will preview every game week throughout the season, exploring options for your chips and transfers. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods so that you have all the information you need before the game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back, then. Uh, so, honey trap this week, Andy. Uh, let's start by just rounding off our swing against the tide from last week. We had two. Douglas Louise was the third most transferred player in, uh, but Haaland was also the fourth most out, and we swam against both of those. Um, Douglas Louise did end up with with an assist, but oh, I think we could swim against him again this week. We didn't really want to want to double double up on it. A little bit boring, perhaps for for our listeners, but another guy that. Yeah, he's maybe not playing CDM quite in the same way as he has done for Villa uh, over the last few seasons, but ultimately all of his returns are reliant on penalties and it's not something that we'd be particularly interested in with no other underlying numbers to back it up. And yeah, Haaland fourth most out. I mean, need we say more? No, I mean, we said it last week, didn't we, that ultimately he can return against Man United, definitely, given their defensive kind of lack of quality this season. And, and we weren't expecting Johnny Evans and Victor Lindelof and and um, and Harry Maguire to all start together. That's worth pointing out. No, um, and, and the underlying numbers were, as we pointed out, still good. So, yeah, um, I think some people would say, obviously, Douglas Louise got an assist and got seven points and and, and and whatever and we're celebrating our success in, in swimming against Haaland here but um yeah the 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 point is he he's still been producing this season so um yeah it's it was it feels like it was the right thing to do right honey traps this week then Andy you're gonna lay out a proposition see if you can tempt me into your trap what you got for me okay well I am going to say that all either either Liverpool or no one will keep a clean sheet in the UK TV games this weekend. Liverpool um, or no one. So that is for for sort of non-UK uh, listeners. That's that's all of the games except the the Saturday three o'clock kickoffs are are on TV in this country. Uh, this. Yeah. So that's Fulham, Man United, Newcastle, Arsenal, Forest, Villa, Luton, Liverpool and Spurs, Chelsea. And yeah, what I'm saying is that either Liverpool or no one will keep a clean sheet in those uh, in those games. So I've got nine teams to keep a clean sheet. Basically, any of the nine could keep a clean sheet. Yes. Yeah, I'll I'll take you off on that. Thank you very much. (laughs) I mean, to be fair to you, like, you know, there's. 
You'd expect goals probably at both ends in Fulham, Man United. You're definitely expecting goals on both ends, Newcastle, Arsenal. Um, you're expecting goals maybe in one end, which is part of your um, you're part of the prop for, for for Luton, Liverpool, and you're expecting goals in both ends in Spurs, Chelsea. I guess I'm just going to take the field. You could see some some one nils in there, but then there's also Forest Villa. I feel like that's probably my best chance for a clean sheet. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, could you see Fulham nicking the one nil against Man United? Yes, you could. Um, Spurs nicking the one nil against Chelsea. Chelsea team that haven't scored loads of goals this year. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm going to take you up on that. And uh, yeah, but I like where you're going with it, and I see why you've gone with it. So well, I mean, I could, I, I could have, I had that. You know, you you'll know this as well from doing them that I, you know, I I did think could I give myself a second one, but I thought maybe two out of ten teams is 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 giving myself too many that you might not want to take it because Newcastle else you'd have picked potentially I guess but yeah I mean Newcastle and Arsenal are the second and third best defense respectively in the league this season so there's a very good chance that either one of them could keep a clean sheet as well right um so I think that there's a there's a fair bit in your favor here um yeah I guess I guess I suppose I could have also sweetened it by still saying there'll be no more than one and that that one will be say for example Newcastle or Liverpool right Mm. Um, which might have balanced it out a little bit. This is the, I think the, the, the without being able to sort of calculate it, I think it would be very heavily stacked in, in your favour here. But look, you know, yeah. we, we, we generally tend to, to lean that way when we're putting them out, don't we? Yeah, so I guess it's something that, 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 that you fancy above above the odds, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Villa, Villa, Villa have conceded goals this season. Um, despite, the, you know, they're good going forward, but but they have conceded goals. So, so Forest at home have been fairly decent. Um, Spurs and Chelsea have both conceded goals. You know, you could see them both scoring and be, it being quite an open game. Fulham and United, I, I think, if there's ever been a both teams to score bet, <laughs> that's it, mm. right? Um, so, yeah, hopefully I might get some, uh, you know, some... What, what you know, whilst Newcastle and Arsenal have been good defensively, they've also both been two of the most creative teams in the league. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see that I've got a bit of a chance here. I think. Cool. Well, mine's uh, in a similar sort of vein in the sense that I've highlighted a match that you've already sort of selected, and I'm going goals. Uh, I believe that Newcastle Arsenal will go over three and a half goals this game week. Over three and a half goals. I mean, that's that's definitely possible. I'm imagining you have had the ability to to check the odds for that, so I you have. might you might be able to assist you with how the numbers sit. Because it feels okay. like I, I imagine the unders is is significant favourite there. Yeah. Um. But so I suppose so two one counts as under, doesn't it? You need a two two or a three one. So I, I feel like I know the numbers will say it's twelve to five. Yeah, so significantly in in the favour of the unders, um, it it feels a bit more fifty fifty than you'd think though, right? Because I, yeah, I mean, I think I have to take you. Could I see a Desmond? Yeah, absolutely. Three yeah. one to either team, you could you could certainly see. So I don't feel completely confident, but yeah, I'll take you. Yeah, I guess it's the um, it's the attack versus defence kind of thing that that you've mentioned in this fixture already. Both have very good attacking underlying numbers versus both having very good defensive underlying numbers, and it's kind of which one comes out on top. And I guess I'm I'm backing goals, but yeah, it could it could be one sided. Who knows? Um, and and yeah, I guess you'd be hoping for the three. Well, I'll be hoping for the for the three one at that point. But um, but yeah, I think. Yeah, fair enough. Sensible, I think, all round. Sensible decisions from us both there when it comes to whether we're going to take each other up on these. But, but yeah, um, as always, it's nice, it's nice to root for goals broadly, isn't it, in this game? So, yeah, that's what we're... Well, that's generally what, what, what you're looking at and what I'm looking at. Um, let's move on to captaincy, Andy. And it feels to me like there are only two options this game week, and they are both Haaland and Salah, of course. Um, you know, we've had we've had Saka, we've had Watkins, we've had a few other players maybe poking their nose on the radar, maybe even um, Man United players against Sheffield United, although maybe it should be always targeted Sheffield United unless you're Manchester United at the minute. But 
these two, obviously, we've got some big games this week. Newcastle, Arsenal, um, Chelsea, Tottenham, maybe ruling Son out as, as a reasonable captaincy option. These two feel good. They're playing teams that are sitting near, well, in or near the relegation zone. Um, but does Haaland have the edge here just because he's at home? I mean, that feels like the main main reason. Yes, it, it, it's it's very hard. Like either of them could could go off this week and then you're going to feel like you've made a good decision if you've picked them right and I think at this point you know you can't you can't know which one it's going to be so if you're gloating afterwards I think there is a little bit of hindsight because the ultimately the kind of they both have got plenty of returns recently you could argue City haven't been as creative as as they have in 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 previous times I would suggest that the United game is is an anomaly um that they weren't exactly facing much resistance or anyone even bothering to track back or, you know, Mark Harland in the six-yard box. So, looking at the games before that, they haven't necessarily been as creative as, as you'd like. But but you, you do think that is only going to last for a certain period of time. And traditionally, City have blown away these poorer defences and, and promote, recently promoted teams at home in the Pep era, haven't they? Multiple three, four, five, even six nils. Um, so... You could see one of those happening for sure. Um, and Haaland's going to be leading the line, very likely. So, um, yeah, to put to put some other numbers to it, that although neither Luton nor Bournemouth have been particularly good across the whole season defensively, there is a distinct difference between the home and away numbers. Luton have, uh, Bournemouth have been atrocious at home and away. Luton have actually been, haven't been great away either, one of the worst in the league, but, but have been okay at home, kind of mid-table-ish defensive numbers at home. Bournemouth concede an, an expected goal every 37 minutes away from home this season so far. Luton concede an expected goal once every 83 minutes. So, you know, roughly two and a half expected goals on average being conceded by Bournemouth in every away game, just over one expected goal being conceded by Luton in every in every home game. Um, and, 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 you know, Bournemouth are away, Luton are at home this game week. That's the point of highlighting those numbers. So, so it, it would seem... The numbers would suggest you could argue it's a it's a it's a bit of a coin flip, but at this point, you, you, you the only way you can make a decision is looking at that type of thing. And I would and I would probably suggest that you know if you're having to lean one way or the other, the the numbers would support going with with Haaland at home against Bournemouth over over Salah at Kenilworth Road. Yeah, there's been some chat as well, hasn't there, about how Salah's role has changed at Liverpool, how he's asked to be a bit more creative, especially without. Firmino, like that's really not the central role that Darwin's going to play. He is a, a finisher playing on the last, playing on the shoulder in, in some respects. And and yeah, Salah's being asked to be a bit more creative and also is possibly struggling to unlock a low block. Now, I don't really classify Luton as having a particularly low block, even though they technically play with five defenders. They can be expansive. I, you know, I don't think they're going to be very expansive against Liverpool minds, but it's not. It's not sort of a Jose Mourinho parking the bus situation that I feel we get with Luton. They're they're a bit more direct, sure, but yeah, I don't. It, you don't always feel like they've got all eleven players behind the ball, and because they do play with wing backs, things there it does tend to be some pockets of space. So I wonder if Salah can unpick them a little bit. But yeah, Bournemouth have been a bit of a shambles, really. I'm, I think that sometimes. You, better the devil you know in terms of your managerial decisions and I'm not really sure uh, Iriola's quite got to grips with the Premier League yet and uh, and yeah I fully expect Haaland to or it's City at least to be um, to, to, yeah, to really sort of cash in against a team that have considered a lot of goals and if City are going to cash in then you probably back Haaland to be very very in amongst it um, so yeah I'm pretty sure that's where my armbands will be going this week but I can see the appeal of Salah um, and yeah, I think the other thing that's, that's maybe worth worth mentioning is that Salah and Haaland were almost equally popular. Salah might have even been a more popular captaincy pick last week. And just because Haaland outplayed him doesn't mean that he's a worse pick this week. Um, I think, you know, you, you don't, don't judge, judge your captaincy decision making on what happened last week. Judge it on what you think might happen this week. And and yeah, that's why I think that, that Haaland's estimated ownership is probably going to be pretty high this game week um but maybe not as high as or maybe it's higher than it should be because i don't think people should be writing Salah off um despite the underlying numbers and despite the fact he's away he's away from home yeah i think 
that 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 all seems fair on 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 the two of them. I suppose is it worth just saying or thinking in any is it is there absolutely any argument for any of the other fixtures? I mean, you think that there is going to be over three and a half goals in the Newcastle Arsenal game, and we've got Wilson on the radar. Uh, yeah, it would be, be in a lot of teams. I think it would be difficult for me to. I, I, I guess the points are shared out a little bit more. I mean, they weren't last week. Arsenal, obviously, you know, seventeen points for Eddie and Ketia last week, and I think Callum Wilson got got a brace as well. So, yeah, it, they just don't feel like they are the focal points for their team's points quite in the same way that Salah and Haaland are. Um, I mean, looking down the fixtures, was there? Any, I mean. If you're bringing in Huang, I guess there are worse places to uh, st- stick the armband away at Sheffield, away at Sheffield United. But, but, but no, not for me really. I mean, the only other one that I was possibly thinking about w- would have been Watkins, but away at Forest isn't something I particularly like. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's just the extremity of the of the kind of numbers that Harlan and Salah put up that obviously distorts this, as we've said many times, right? Because I could I'd say there's a there's a few okay arguments there, even for someone like I think where I've, I think I've read that West Ham are like bottom five for expected goals conceded away from home um, this season, and and they're playing away at Brentford, who are very creative, and the underlying numbers from Wemo have been continually good for most of the season. So if he's still in your team there's a reasonable argument potentially for him there even as, as well. But yeah, um, I mean, put it, put it this way. If, if, if I didn't own Haaland and I wasn't that keen on Salah away, I'd be going for another man. I'd be surely you've got to own Julian Alvarez at that point. And I'd be going for Alvarez, I think against Bournemouth. Um, if I own Kyle Walker, I'd be go, maybe going that way. I, I just, I can't see anything other than city winning to nil by three or four, frankly. And therefore, yeah, I think that's kind of where I'd be, where I'd be leaning. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, DCL is maybe not the worst shout either. Looking at these fixtures, but but yeah, it, it, they're not in the same class. He's not in the same same class as Haaland or Salah. So, so yeah, uh, let's leave it there, Andy. I think let's wrap up as we always do with a little game we like to call "Who the heck is that?" Each week, Andy and I take it in turns to pick a player from the FPL universe, and the other person has to guess who it is. They get five clues, and if they guess it after the first clue, they get five points. After the second clue, they get four points, and so on and so forth. Each time they hear a new clue, they have two minutes to stick or twist on their previous guess. So we don't reveal the answer to the ends you can play along wherever you are listening to the fpl lounge podcast and he plucked a four pointer out of the air last week getting ollie watkins after the second clue which now makes it 12 all uh, i think we've both played the same amount of games is that right i think that's right yeah level pegging so yeah uh here we go big competitive yeah it's good for a change. just just ironically like liga 1 uh where Sir Jim Ratcliffe's niece are uh, are top of the league. Uh, yeah, someone tried to tell me at the, the weekend SG. that niece were doing rubbish, but I was like, I don't think that's true. Be yeah. fair, my source here was was someone in the Man United predictors chat, so I, I haven't verified it myself. But a quick Google tells me it is true. Yeah, niece, niece, niece twenty two points, PSG twenty one. So you are the niece to my PSG. Great, great. Well, I don't mind a bit. I don't mind a bit in Nice. Went down there. Very nice little, very nice little stadium. Very nice uh, part of the world. Yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely down there. Bought myself a shirt. I really the, over the front. The so. uh, was it Euros? Women's Euros? Women's World Cup? What what tournament was in? Was, was there? Was the Women's World Cup there? It was. Oh, it must have been Women's World Cup because we saw England Japan. Yes. Uh, saw the Women's World Cup in Nice. Lovely little city. Anyway. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, and and Sir Jim. You know, my, my boy, my boy, <laughs> um, our saviour. Right. Um, who the heck is that? Clue number one. Yeah. Um, it is this player's sixth season in FPL. They've got triple figures in four of their five previous seasons and they're on for their highest ever finish this season. A lot of information. Um, OK, six seasons, highest ever finish, and have done, broken 100 in what, four of the last five, or four of their five? Yeah, four of their five, yeah, before yeah. this one. So that kind of sometimes implies an injury, which is worth maybe bearing in mind. Um, I can't think of anyone at Fulham that would be on for the highest ever finish. United, that feels difficult to imagine as well. Um, Brentford, I guess you'd be looking at Mbwemo. And Matej Jensen, can't think that any of them would have done six years. West Ham, Jared Bowen, I think we've had him this year. Uh, Burnley, no. Palace, 
Probably not. Everton. Decore, maybe. Doesn't seem likely. Brighton doesn't feel like many of them have done five years either. Now we get to Man City. Foden doesn't feel like he would have done... Oh, he could have done double figures in four or five. Highest ever finish, though. Mm -hmm. Doesn't feel likely. Or maybe it is because of how many injuries he's had. Maybe one to keep on the on the back burner. Bournemouth, probably not. Sheffield United, probably not. Wolves, probably not. You have 30 seconds. We're at Newcastle now. Uh, Trips has done more seasons than that. Wilson has probably done more seasons than that. Arsenal, could be an Arsenal player. You've got 10 seconds. Let's go Phil Foden. Let's kick us off with Phil Foden. Okay. Clue number two then. This player has more bonus points than anyone else in their position. Who the heck is that? And that feels it's like it's unlikely to be Phil Foden. Um, I don't know why, but I'm feeling goalkeeper. Sixth season. Could it be Sam Johnston? Nick Pope must have done more than six seasons, mustn't he? Yeah, must have done. Sam Johnson doesn't feel like he will have done double figures in, triple figures rather, sorry, in that many years. Allison, maybe. Did he have a season where he was out injured? Sort of rings a bell, but I don't really remember when. Six years would be about right for him, I think. But um, maybe it's not a keeper. Probably isn't a keeper. Um, might have to, let's keep going down the team. Running out of time. Forest probably not. Well, Villa. Watkins. Be on for a high finish, won't he, I suppose. Um, you have 30 seconds to go. Diaby, won't be Diaby. Douglas Louise. Triple figures isn't the highest bar, is it? Bonus points. I might go Ollie Watt. No, we had him last week. Can't be him. Idiot. I'll stick with Phil Foden. Yeah, I was going to say you've got 10 seconds. So Let's just stick with Phil Foden. Okay. Clue number three. This player is the highest owned player at their club. Who the heck is Stat? Okay, might start at the bottom for the team this time. Chelsea's will be. Don't know. Who the hell would Chelsea's be? No idea. Tottenham might be Son. Might be. Probably isn't a doggy anymore. Madison. Could it be Son? Will he have had a see he can't be on for his highest finish, can he? He broke two hundred. No. Um Liverpool's highest owned player will be Salah. Six years. Yeah, he must have done more than that. Plus he had the Chelsea. Yeah. Luton probably won't be. Villa must must be Watkins. Unless it's Matty. Oh, hello. Matty Cash. Six years feels too many for him. Forrest, probably not. Arsenal, who will their highest own player be? Saka. On for his highest finish, maybe. Triple figures, apart from one. You've got 30 seconds. What was the second clue? Uh, has more bonus points than anyone else in their position. I guess it could be Saka. I feel like we've had him in this game. 
Um, yeah, I'm going to switch. I'm going to switch to Saka, please. I think we've had him, but I'll switch anyway because I'm pretty sure he's not Foden. Okay, time running out. So switching to Saka. Clue yeah. number four. This player is the highest point scorer and only who the heck is stat eligible player at their club. All oh, right, okay, well, that's not Saka. Highest point scorer and only. Okay. Um. Right. I... That's, that's tricky. Uh, so f- who would Fulham have anyone? No. Not that I'm aware. Of. Leno could be Leno. Uh, could be Leno. Let's keep going. United must have more than one. Brentford definitely have more than one. West Ham. We've had Bowen. I can't think who else there might be. Burnley. Don't know if there's any. If they are, they're probably budget fodder. Palace. Might have a couple. Everton. Pickford, maybe. Brown. Wait. Brighton will have more than one. City definitely have more than one. Bournemouth might not have any. Yeah, I'm leaning Leno here. Mm. Anyone at Forest could be on for their highest ever finish. I don't think there would be. Wolves, I guess Huang, Neto. Haven't been around for six years though. You've got just under thirty seconds. Mm. I think I'm going to pivot off here to Leno. Uh, six years, maybe. When he was Arsenal's backup, might have been the year that he didn't get triple figures. Ten seconds. Highest. Yeah. Three, two, yeah. I'll switch one. to Leno, please. Switch to Leno. Okay, you almost got stuck with Saka there, but we got a decision just in time. So, clue number five then. This player is the second highest point scorer in their position, despite only having three clean sheets. Um, I'm fairly confident that he isn't the highest scoring keeper. I think it's the new guy at Spurs. So Leno could, I mean, he is a save and I guess thinking about another clue, bonus point machine sometimes. I, but I don't know for definite if he's second. Despite only three clean sheets, I mean, had Fulham have had clean, three clean sheets? Yes, maybe. I know that we mentioned a, a few weeks ago on the pod that their terrible underlying defensive numbers were really distorted by one game. What were the other clues? Six seasons, triple figures in all but one. Yeah. Highest, potential highest ever finish. I mean, if he's the second highest keeper in the game, scoring keeper in the game, that could be. What was after that? More bonus than anyone else. Highest owned at club, highest point scorer at club, only eligible player at the club, second highest scorer in their position. I mean... Uh, that, that could that, that could all apply to Leno. Could it apply to anyone at Burnley? You've got 30 or seconds. Bournemouth or Wolves. Or Forest. They feel like the ones where there could be one. I think I'm going to have to stick. I'm not going to... I'm not gonna, yeah, it's two or zero at this point, isn't it? It, it does fit for him. So, Yeah. I'll stick with Burton Leno, please. Okay. Well, after four clues, it is Burnt Leno. Yes. Um, sort of, yeah, I, I think someone, um, a bit like the, the, the Ben White one you done for me earlier in the season, I think un, slightly under the radar in terms of his output, at least this season, I guess Fulham's underlying numbers not showing up. Otherwise, he might have been in the thinking more. But in terms of at least his output, yeah, more bonus points than anyone else. Um, it th- interestingly, the three clean sheets, only one keeper has 
sorry, only like four is the max that any keeper has, which a few really? do have. But yeah, just shows that there's not been that many, I guess, clean sheets this season. Raya, Johnston, Edison, Pope, Vicario all got four clean sheets, but that's it. No one with more than four. Um, so that's why having only three, I guess, still keeps keeps Leno in the shout. I don't really know why. Like he has got a reasonable number of saves, but I don't. I, so I guess that must be contributing towards the 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 bonus points yeah but he's had the full three twice uh in an in their one nil win against Everton and then nil nil with 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 Palace um and he got two against Arsenal um so yeah uh that that's helped pump him up towards the uh the the top of the goalkeeping um points points tally yeah it is his sixth season he's had over I thought it was interesting as well relatively consistent um is surprising I think Mm -hmm. um for for him um and yeah, I, I I did dither in my head over whether to include the bit about because I could have just said highest point scorer at their club. The only eligible player obviously gives quite a clue in that there's probably there's not many clubs probably that only have one. Yeah. Um, but look, we want people at home to 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 be guessing along and and to get it. We don't make it too tricky. And yeah, obviously the three clean sheets at the end was a was it was a nod towards it being a keeper or a defender in the final clue, right? So yeah. Um, Burnt Leno for two points. Uh, I like, yeah. So their second highest owned player is Carlos Vinicius on one point eight percent ownership. That's <laughs> pretty outrageous, isn't it? Um, yeah, that's a sorry state of affairs. But then sums it up. Frankly, they have not been not been all that great uh, so far this year. All right, Andy, let's uh, let's leave it there. Let's bring this one home. Uh, but if our listeners have any questions about what to do ahead of game week 11 to how they get Wilson into their team, you know, what your Carabao Cup experience is like tonight and how can they get in touch? They can find us on Twitter now known as X or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. Uh, let us know. Let us know if you're going to a, a um, EFL Cup game tonight as well. Absolutely. Um, some Some interesting teams still left in the competition both Middlesbrough and Port Vale through to the quarterfinals last night so yeah so there'll be some interesting ties to come absolutely uh, yeah and do remember to rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from uh, we will be back then next week ahead of game week 12 our final pod before another international break uh, so until then Andy thanks for joining us in the FPL lounge <laughs>